Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Years ago, a group of British pastors were discussing uh, whether or not to invite evangelist D.L. Moody to their city to do a, a crusade. And as they were discussing this, one of the pastors there said, why must it be Moody? Does he have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? And one of the other pastors responded respectfully and said, no, he doesn't. But it is evident that the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on D.L. Moody. Paul has been challenging us, encouraging us, teaching us to walk by the Spirit. When God saved us, he placed his Holy Spirit in us because we can't live for God apart from God. God is at work in each one of us as followers of Jesus Christ, and he's transforming us each day into the likeness of his son, our Savior, Jesus. He's working in us, making us more like Jesus, which means we are all a work in progress. Amen? We're all a work in progress. What does that mean? That means some days are better than others. Some hours are better than others. Some minutes are better than others. Some moments are better than others. Sin is still resident in us. Temptation is still effective against us. The control before us between our flesh and the spirit, the spiritual battle that rages continues in us. Our circumstances press against us. Our schedules overwhelm us. People say and do things that hurt us. We are often weary, worried, and wrong. So it's clear we need to walk by the Spirit. We must Walk by the Spirit. Praise God we can walk by the Spirit. Praise God His grace is sufficient for us. Praise God His power is perfected in our weakness. Praise God we can be strong in the Lord and in His vast strength. Praise God we don't walk alone. We don't walk alone at any point in our lives. We have the Holy Spirit in us and we have our brothers and sisters in Christ around us because we are family in Jesus. And that's exactly what Paul has been sharing with us in our study through Galatians. Open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 6. Paul is downloading some of our responsibilities that we have to one another as brothers and sisters in Jesus. Here's the radical, amazing point Paul's been making. It's simply this. God uses us in his work in one another's lives. And that's pretty radical to me. I think it is to all of us. God uses us in his work in one another's lives. He's not only working in me, but as he works in me, as he works in you, which he's doing, he also uses us in his work in one another's lives, which is amazing. And so I want us to to dig into what God has prepared for us this morning. First responsibility, we must pick up one another. 
we must pick up one another. Paul said in Galatians 6 and verse 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also may not be tempted. If we see a brother or sister in Christ who is overtaken or caught in sin, we who are spiritual, that means we who are walking by the Spirit in humble dependence upon the Lord day by day, we are the ones to restore them. We are to pick up spiritually our brother and sister in Christ so that they can get back into a right relationship with God and a right relationship with us because we all know sin breaks our fellowship with God and our fellowship with one another. As Solomon said in Proverbs 28 and verse 13, the one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. God's mercy and grace and forgiveness is ours in Christ Jesus. We must pick up one another. Second responsibility, we must hold up one another. Paul continued in verse 2, carry one of those burdens in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So once we have picked up our brother or sister in Christ spiritually, once we have helped them get out of that trap of sin, we then hold them up spiritually. We help them to continue to walk out their faith and trust in Christ Jesus as we carry one another's burdens, as we carry the burdens with one another so that we can stay up spiritually. It's just so vitally important. What we understand and realize, Paul says, we don't restore one another, and we're not to be restored by one another and then walk away from one another. We're family. We need one another. And so as we carry one another's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love one another as Jesus loves us. As we carry one another's burdens, we are also able to help get one another to Jesus which is where our brother and sister need to get. It's where we need to get each day all through the day. Now, the steps to carrying one another's burdens, we focused on these last Sunday. We ask one another about our burdens. So ask is the first step. We share with one another about our burdens. Share is the second step. We listen to one another as we share our burdens and as those burdens are shared with us. That's step number three. We share. And then step number four, we carry one another's burdens. Some days we pick up and hold up one another. Some days we are picked up and held up by one another because we're family in Christ Jesus. The third responsibility is we must look up We're responsible to look up with one another. We see Paul now transitions into verse 3. And he says to us, For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Paul, the wise pastor, the loving pastor, paused here in these next three verses, in verses three, four, and five that we'll look at this morning. He paused here as if to bring us back to a couple of key points. First, he paused here to remind us to look up with one another to God, to remind us to look up on a day-by-day basis to God. This is a must for us. 
What Paul is saying is if we don't look up to God on a day-by-day basis, if God's not our number one priority, if we don't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if we don't trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on understanding, if we don't think about God in all our ways, if he's not first and foremost, if we don't deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him, if we're not seeking him first, if he's not our all in all, we're not going to pick up and hold up one another very long. It's just not going to work unless we're looking up with one another to God. Paul, the wise pastor, also paused in these three verses to warn us, not just to remind us to look up, but to warn us about the danger of pride. Paul already wrote about this in Galatians 5 and verse 26 when he said, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. As we ended chapter 5, transitioned into chapter 6, he was warning us about pride. The sin of pride hinders our walk with God, our worship of God, our witness for God, which is why Paul now warned us again about pride. The sin of pride is devastating and destructive to us as individual followers of Jesus Christ, but also to our family, our church, as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We know Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Pride comes before destruction. Pride comes before a fall. Solomon told us that the, the arrogant heart, the prideful heart, is detestable to the Lord. God detests a proud heart. And so, it then makes sense. Paul's talking to us in chapter 6, as I shared a couple of weeks ago. As we enter into chapter 6, this is spiritual surgery that Paul's telling us about. He's encouraging us to do that spiritual surgery of, of picking up one another and of holding up one another. And so as he's making his way through, Paul takes a break here and he says, hey, hey, hey. He says, guys, get, make sure you're, as you're picking up and holding up, make sure you're looking up. Make sure you're looking up with one another. He says, for if anyone. For if is a conditional statement in verse 3 that points to the reality that what comes next is actually happening. So what he's going to talk about was actually happening in some of these churches. For if anyone is a brother or sister in Christ who's walking by the Spirit. That could be you or me. It's a follower of Jesus Christ walking by the Spirit. For if anyone considers himself to be something. Considers means believes, means thinks. It's in the present tense. So this is a belief. This is a consideration. This is a thought that's happening every day throughout the day. For if anyone considers, believes, thinks himself, that's the brother or sister in Christ that we talked about for if anyone, that connects for someone, that connects himself or herself. For if anyone considers himself to be something, here's the key, to be something, ready, make sure you're taking notes, write this down. To be something means to be something. What Paul is saying is if a brother or sister in Christ considers, believes, or thinks that they are something special spiritually, they are caught in sin. The proud are those who think they are something special spiritually. Paul said, for if anyone considers himself to be something, when he is nothing, He deceives himself. Hello. The proud, those who think they are something special spiritually, 
Paul says, are actually deceiving themselves because they're nothing. Pride points to spiritual immaturity, not maturity. Pride, let me say that again, points to spiritual immaturity, not maturity. As Paul said, everything I counted as gain before I came to Christ, I now consider loss. I consider rubbish, garbage in comparison to Christ, that I may know him. Paul is challenging you, me, and every follower of Jesus Christ who's walking by the Spirit, and he's telling us this. Beware of the trap of pride. Don't give in to the temptation to be proud of yourself. Don't think you are better than your brother or sister in Christ who was caught or overtaken in sin. Don't become conceited. Don't think you're immune to temptation. Don't think you are above temptation. Don't think you know more than your brother or sister, so therefore you are more spiritual than your brother or sister. Paul's reminding us to be humble. Humility is a must for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Paul told us in Romans chapter 12, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but consider yourself with sober judgment according to the grace that God has given to you. We understand how important humility is for us. Jesus himself modeled humility as he washed his disciples' feet. And just let me remind you, this is a sermon for another day, but that included Judas. who was going to betray him shortly after that. Jesus told his disciples after washing their feet and us today, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Humility draws us to God. Humility reminds us all we are, all we have, all we know, all we do is by God's grace to us in Jesus. Humility reminds us that the only thing we can boast in is that we know the Lord. That's it. He's the one. Humility literally points us to one another. As we humble ourselves with the Lord, it draws us closer to God, and then we're filled with what he wants us to be filled with so that we can then be pointed to one another so that we can pick up one another, hold up one another, as we look up with one another to God. Humility eases our burdens day by day because humility reminds us God's in charge, not us. God's sovereign, not us. God knows what he's doing. Therefore, we don't have to stress. We don't have to freak out. God's got it under control. We are simply called to walk out our faith and trust in him by our obedience to him. He leads, we follow. Humility takes the burden off us to have all the answers to be God because we can't, because we don't. Only he does. And so Paul is warning us here in this verse. He's warning us about pride. He's telling us, be humble. Because that's what's going to help us to continue to pick up one another and hold up one another. And he continues in verse 4. And he says, let each person examine his own work. And then he can take pride in himself alone. And not compare himself with someone else. Paul shifted, notice here in verse four, Paul shifted from what not to do to what to do. Paul said, let each 
person examine his own work. Let each person means you and me as followers of Jesus Christ walking by the Spirit. Again, let each person, let us as followers of Jesus Christ, let us who are walking by the Spirit. He said examine. That word examine means test. It means prove. Test, prove. It was the verb used in Paul's day to describe uh, the process of assaying metals, of testing metals to see whether the metal was genuine and valuable. So Paul said, let each person, let every one of us as brothers and sisters in Christ examine or test. And he said, our own work. Let him test and let us test our own work, his and her own work. That means our thoughts. That means our actions. That means our words. That means the ministry that God's called us to. Let each one of us examine his own work. Is actually the word, the verb examine is a present active imperative. So it's a command for us to obey today and every day. It's not a suggestion to consider. So here's what Paul is saying Paul commanded us to examine and test ourselves each day throughout the day to make sure that our own thoughts, that our own actions, that our own words, are in line, in agreement, and in obedience to God and the truth of his word. This is a continuation of humility. So what the psalmist David wrote about in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's anything offensive in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Paul wants us to remember before we can help others get right with God, we, make sure, we must make sure that we're right with God. Before we can help others grow in their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we need to be growing in our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This humility starts with us. We must look up, and then we are able to look up with one another to God. And so we see the beauty of what Paul is sharing with us here in this brief pause in these three verses to refocus our attention. Paul understood this. I think you understand it as well because I think we've all experienced this at points in times in our walk with the Lord. Paul commanded us to do these spiritual self-exams because he understood and realized as we are faithful and obedient to conduct spiritual self-exams of our own heart and mind with the Holy Spirit's help day by day, it will become clear to us, it will become clear to you, it'll become clear to me that any spiritual success, any spiritual blessing, any spiritual good that comes through us and our own work is not by us or from us, it's from God by the power of his Holy Spirit. Therefore, we will, we will rejoice in the Lord and we will give all glory to the Lord for our spiritual blessings and successes. We will not dare rob God of his glory by boasting in ourselves as if we are the ones responsible for our spiritual successes and blessings. I see, that's where the proud get off course. They go around boasting about themselves. And what they're saying is, that's right, I'm special. That's right, I'm the one who's something. They're stealing glory from God. They're, talking, they're spending all their time talking about themselves and they could be talking about God. They spend all their time focusing on, look at me, look at me, look at me, when they should be pointing everybody to the Lord. As Paul said, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. And since God gives the growth, God gets the glory. We're the ones to do the work. We have work to do, and we're going to talk about that in verse 5. 
But listen, God's the one who gives the growth. God's the one who gets the glory. And so Paul is saying, let each one examine his own work because he knows if we will examine our own work, if the Holy Spirit is allowed in, as we seek the Holy Spirit and we ask and we seek him and we do that spiritual self-exam, the Holy Spirit will make it clear to us that any and all things that are good in us, to us, through us, from us, is from God by his power at work in us. And therefore, we'll give him the glory. We'll rejoice. We'll give him the glory. The last thing we'll do is boast about ourselves because we're clear that it has nothing to do with us. It's all about the Lord. Paul said, I know nothing good lives in me as in my flesh. He understood, he understood this reality. That's why he was challenging these believers because it will help them to stay on guard against pride. It will help them to continue to look up with one another to God, which allows them then to pick up one another and hold up one another. But then also, he tells us here as he finishes out verse 4, that as we do these spiritual self-exams, we will also not fall into the trap of the comparison game. If you notice there at the end of verse 4, he told us we won't fall into the trap of the comparison game. And man, is this a deadly game. The comparison game is from Satan. The comparison game is evil at every point in turn. The comparison game is destructive. The comparison game is at a place in our lives as brothers and sisters in Christ. When we compare ourselves to one another, one of two things happen, and neither of them are good. When we compare ourselves to one another, we either think we're better than one another, which leads to pride. Or when we compare ourselves to one another, we think we're behind one another, which leads us to discouragement. And both open the door for the enemy to wreak havoc in our minds, our hearts, our lives, our words, our actions. If we fall into the trap of constantly looking out to our friends and our brothers or sisters in Christ, and we, we look at what they have and we start comparing ourselves. That is a slippery slope that will speed out of control towards destruction. We never win in the comparison game. Now, we know today that our enemy is constantly trying to lure us into the comparison game. We know this. God doesn't want us to compare ourselves to one another. God wants us to connect with one another. Satan wants us to compare ourselves with one another because he wants us to become critical of one another or ourselves, whichever the case may be. God doesn't want comparison. He wants connection with us as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we know our enemy is constantly at work trying to lure us into this game. And without question, one of his most effective tools today to lure us into the comparison game is social media. The hour upon hour upon hour that we get caught up and trapped and addicted to looking online and looking at everyone else, the whole while the enemy's saying to us, oh, there, man, you don't have that. You don't have that. You're not with them there. They didn't ask you to do that. They must not like you. They must not care about you. It's just constant. 
And yet we just sit there and we continue. Or we buy into the lie that we're better. Like what, what we have. We all lose in the comparison game. And when we give into the comparison game, when we give into pride, we aren't near as interested in picking up one another and holding up one another because we're not looking up with one another to God, which is exactly what Paul's sharing with us. And he continues in verse 5. And he says, for each person will have to carry his own load. So we see in verse 4, Paul said, for each person must examine himself or herself. Now he says, for each person will have to carry his or her own load. The verb that Paul used in verse 5 for load is different than the verb Paul used in verse 2 with burden. We are to carry one another's burdens because those burdens are weights that are pressing down on us that are burdens that are too heavy for us to carry alone by ourselves. And so we need our brother and sister in Christ around us to help lift up those burdens for us. But Paul tells us that we are to carry our own load because this is the work that God has assigned each one of us to do on a day-by-day basis. Now, verse 5 has a now and later emphasis. It's got a today and tomorrow emphasis. The now emphasis of verse 5 means as followers of Jesus Christ, we are ministers for Jesus. God wants us to minister to the congregation he's placed around us. And so God has given each one of us our load. That means our ministry. That comes along with our skills, our talents, our abilities, and our spiritual gifts. God's given us our load, our ministry. And then God equips us and empowers us to carry out our load, our ministry with one another. As Peter told us in 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, just as each one of you has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. God has given us spiritual gifts, each one of us, that match up with our talents, abilities, and skills. He's given us a spiritual gift, and he wants us to use that gift in our service, in our ministry to one another and to all those God places around us because we're ministers, and each one of us has a congregation. And this... It's a continual process that he wants us to use these gifts every day throughout the day. For example, one of the gifts that God's given each of us, I think most all, if not completely all of us, but certainly most of us all qualify, and that is God's given us our mouths. He's given us wisdom. He's given us words that we can use to communicate with one another. He wants us to use those words to be a blessing and an encouragement to one another. And this is something we can do Every single day. It's a way we carry our own load. For example, what I want you to do in just a moment is that I want you to turn to your neighbor on each side and I want you to encourage them. Say something like, boy, you look great today. I am so glad I'm sitting next to you. Thank you for being here. I think you're an encouragement. You're a blessing. Just smile. Maybe you just want to smile. Maybe the word is too much. Maybe you just don't have words this morning. Smile. Smile real big. Ready, set, go. Go. All right. See, that's great. That's great. It was easy for the most part. It was coerced. Yeah, I guess so, a little bit. But it, 
it was good. You were smiling. Some of you even just hugged. And I didn't even say that. And you just couldn't help yourself. You just hugged. That's great. That's a beautiful picture. What we just experienced is a beautiful picture of picking up one another, holding up one another, looking up with one another to God. Beautiful. And for the most part, enjoyable, I think, for us. The now emphasis. Now, here's the later emphasis. Here's the tomorrow emphasis of this verse. The later emphasis means as followers of Jesus, get this now, Paul's sharing this with us. It's important. As followers of Jesus, Paul reminded us that we are going to stand before Jesus one day. You see, because in verse 5, this verb carry is in the future tense. So there's a now and there's a later. And what Paul is saying to us is be effective now. Pick up, hold up, look up. Be effective now, but also keep an eye out and understand this. There's a future that's drawing near. He said, carry. What that means is Paul reminded each one of us that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are going to stand before Jesus one day at the judgment seat, the Bema seat, the judgment seat. And as we stand before our Savior one day at the judgment seat of Christ, we will give an account of how we used the gifts, the abilities, the talents that God gave to us for his purposes. We'll give an account. Our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Past, present, future, they're gone. We're going to stand before God. And we're going to give an account of how we stewarded his money, how we stewarded his gifts that he gave to us, how we stewarded our load, our ministry for his honor and glory. That's why we're constantly talking about giving and growing and going, time, talents, and treasures. Listen, that, that's not just to try to get stuff from you. That is one of the greatest encouragements we can give to you to walk in obedience to the word, both now and later, because there's coming a time. And what Paul wants us to understand is he said, each one, each one, I'm going to stand at the judgment seat by myself. I'm not going to be able to grab somebody else and say, well, they helped me and I, I just did what they did and, and I was a part of them. No, no, no. No. No, it's going to be me. That's going to be you. Paul has taught us throughout Galatians. We are saved by God's grace alone through our faith alone in Christ Jesus alone. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. And the reason he's taught that is we will be rewarded by God one day for the works that we do for God and through God today and tomorrow and this week, which is one of the main reasons why God is continually bringing us together as brothers and sisters in Christ so that we might be reminded, so that we might be warned, so that we might be encouraged, so that we might be loved, so that we might be challenged, so that we might be changed. 
because we live in a now and later emphasis, perspective as followers of Jesus Christ. We're here. We're in this world. We're not of it. But do all God calls us to do here knowing that there's something coming for us that's much greater than where we are today. And you see, he's telling us, look up with one another. As he's told us, pick up and hold up, and there's a lot there that takes a lot of effort, that takes a lot of perseverance, that takes a lot of love, that takes a lot of encouragement. He's saying if you don't look up with one another, then you're going to get worn out, you're going to get frustrated, you're going to get upset, you're going to get angry with one another, and you're going to stop picking up and holding up, so make sure you look up. And so we see in this beautiful passage where Paul just begins pouring encouragement to us. As we look up with one another to God, we will be humble. We will be humble. That's what Paul's been sharing with us this morning. As we look up with one another to God, we'll be humble. We will see immediately as we look up with one another to God how great God is and how desperately we need him in every way, every day, in every area of our lives. As the psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I'm here to share with you this morning, there is no greater source of help for you and for me than the maker of heaven and earth. Amen? You can't find better help than that. <laughs> the psalmist said, hey, I look up. Why? Because why wouldn't I? There's a greater source than the maker of heaven and earth. And so as we look up, we are humbled. Paul said, look up. He's saying, look up here. Because as we look up, God then turns us to live and love out as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so as we humble ourselves before the Lord, we will begin to walk in his strength and wisdom, not ours. Because as we humble ourselves before the Lord, we bow in his presence. As we finish singing, our God is an awesome God just a little bit ago. He is an awesome God. And so we bow before him and we walk forward each day in his strength and his wisdom. As we look up at one another to God, we will be helpful. We'll not only be humble, but we'll be helpful. The more humble we are, the more helpful we will be. The Christian life is the blessed life. The Christian life is the best life. But the Christian life is not the easy life. We all need help. There's not one of us that doesn't need help. We all need help. That's why Paul's saying, run to God and then run to one another. That's why Paul's saying, rely on God and then rely on one another. Remain in God and then remain with one another. We all need help. And so Paul is reminding us, as we look up with one another to God, we'll be humble, we'll be helpful. God uses us to help and minister to our brothers and sisters, and God uses our brothers and sisters in Christ to help and minister to us. That means you and I, we need to help and minister to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And here's something even more vitally important. We need to receive help from our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we need to go with our brothers and sisters in Christ to seek help with our brothers and sisters in Christ in those times when that help is needed from someone outside of ourselves, such as a Christian biblical counselor or a doctor. We need one another's help. 
And there are times when we give it, we receive it, but then there are times where we just get with one another and we go with one another, beside one another to get the help that we desperately need, physically or emotionally or spiritually. As we look up, God then leads us to love one another and to lean on one another because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what family does. So as we look up with one another to God, we'll be humble, we'll be helpful, but we'll also be hopeful. We will be hopeful because as we look up with one another to God, we are reminded that God is our help. God is our healer. God is our hope. God is our defender. God is our peace. God is our provider. God is our protector. God is our refuge. God is our redeemer. God is our strength. God is our sustainer. God is our stronghold in times of trouble. God is the great I am. God says to you and to me, I am that I am. Whatever your need, God says, I am the source for that need. Whatever your question, I'm the answer that you need. Whatever your concern, I'm your peace. God is, I am that I am. He is all we need. He is who we need. And so as we look up with one another to God, we're reminded that God is on his throne and he's in control. He's sovereign and he knows what he is doing. We don't have to play God in our own lives. He's got that role and he's got it covered. We just simply need to humble ourselves and follow him day by day. As we look up with one another to God, we're reminded that God loves us. He's always with us. He never fails us, forgets us, leaves us, or forsakes us. As we look up with one another to God, we are reminded that we're in this world. We're not of this world, that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. As we look up with one another to God, we're reminded since Jesus overcame, we can overcome. Greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. As we look up with one another to God, we are reminded to be strong in the Lord and by in his vast strength. We're reminded that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. We, the righteous, can run to it and find safety. We're reminded that our God is the sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor, and no good thing will he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. As we look up with one another to God, we're reminded to put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against our enemy's schemes and tactics. We are reminded that we are overcomers and more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. We're reminded that nothing and no one can separate us from the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. We are reminded that if God is for us, who can be against us? The answer is no one or nothing. No one or nothing. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. As we look up with one another to God, we are reminded that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us one day in heaven. As real as they are, and they are, those sufferings don't compare with the glory of God. And as we look up at one another, God, we're reminded that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Looking up with one another to God keeps us grounded in God's grace and motivated to pick up and hold up one another. This is exactly what God is calling us to do through Paul's words to us once again this morning. And we are reminded again in this passage of the truth 
as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that we know that we know the best is yet to come in Christ Jesus. So let's pick up, hold up, and look up so that we can be filled up and used up for the glory of God. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this response time. And this is just a response. The invitation is our opportunity to just respond to the Lord. Sometimes that means right there where you're seated, just spending that time between you and the Father. Sometimes that means coming and kneeling at the altar as a response as the Holy Spirit moves and works and leads. You may want to come with your husband, your wife, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, pray with someone, pray for someone. That's a way that we're able to pick up, hold up, look up with one another. One of the greatest ways that we look up with one another to God is through praying with one another, praying for one another, praying over one another. Our ministers will be standing here at the front. They'd love to encourage you. They'd love to bless you. They'd love to pray for you. If you have a need, care, concern, you could come and share that. And, and we would love to pray for you and pray with you. God may be leading you as the Spirit has been moving in this service to go to our brother or sister in Christ that you know maybe hurting, maybe going through a difficult time, a time of suffering, a time of challenge, a time of loss, a time of grief, a time of stress, whatever the case may be. If God's leading you by his spirit, go to them and encourage them and bless them. Minister to them. The time is now for us as family, as brothers and sisters of Christ, to minister to one another, love one another. If you've yet to place your faith in Jesus, then as we share each week, that's the greatest decision you can make. And I would encourage you to make that decision today, right here, right now. God is extending his grace to you once again, drawing you to finally, once and for all, come to the end of yourself and to give up and to begin to look up to him, to acknowledge that he loves you, that he's in control, that he is the one at work in you, to focus in on Jesus Christ, the author and perfect of your faith, to understand that he took your place on the cross. He paid your price for sin. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose again victorious over sin and death for you and for me. And to realize and understand a relationship with God happens by placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as we trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary for our salvation. God, counts the righteousness of Christ to our account. He counted our sin to Christ on the cross. And so we just simply receive that gift of salvation by placing our faith in Jesus. Our pastors would love to introduce you. We would love to introduce you to Jesus this morning. As we sing these words as a response of worship to the Lord, let's continue to move in obedience to his leadership in our lives. Let's stand and say yes to him.